0: with me if you would to the book of Galatians Uh, we're starting today a series through the book of Galatians it will last we think somewhere around 12 or 14 weeks it was going to be like 8 or 9 and then it went to 10 or 11 and now it's 12 or 14 we learned on the book of Romans we tried to cram the whole book of Romans into eight weeks and it didn't work too well So we're not gonna get in a rush, I hope that's okay. We're just gonna study through the book of Galatians and see what God teaches us as a body of believers. We've entitled this series, Faith Under Fire. Now as most of you know, Galatia is a region, mainly modern day Turkey. It was visited by Paul on his third missionary journey and it was before, just before he was arrested and put to death. This was one of the earlier um, books of the New Testament written somewhere around 50 to 52 AD. And you can read about Paul founding these churches in Acts chapter 13, 14, and 15. That's where he was in Galatia, places like Derby and Lystra and Antioch. That's the area of Galatia. The destination of most of Paul's letters present no problem to us because most of them are sent either to individuals or to specific churches. Like we have the letter to Rome, the Romans. We have the letter sent to the city of Corinth, the church in Corinth. We have the letter to the church in Ephesus the letter to the church in Philippi, the letter to the church in Thessalonica. But there isn't a city called Galatia. Galatia was a region which had many churches that Paul, on his third missionary journey, he went, preached, established churches, uh, installed elders. And so this letter is different than most of the rest of the letters of Paul in that it is what we would call a circular letter. It is a letter that was sent to the churches of that region. It would be like if they were going to do it today, they would send the letter to the churches in Kuwait, not just the city of Kuwait, but the whole nation. Are the Letters to the church of India or letters to the church of the Philippines to where it's one letter Sent that was to be circulated to all of the churches in that region Jerome once said that when he reads the letters of Paul he can hear the thunder of the Apostle but nowhere is the Pauline thunder heard more than in the book of Galatians He says, Philippians, even though it was written from prison, was a letter of love on the theme of joy. Romans reflects the considered objectivity of a master theologian revealing the doctrines of grace. Ephesians is an uplifting commentary of the body of Christ. But Galatians is different from the beginning to the end it's six chapters, one hundred and sixty-nine or 149 verses, are full of passion, sarcasm, and anger. Paul cannot believe that these group of people that he invested in preached the gospel. They were radically saved, wonderfully saved. Churches were started, and now he hears they're leaving the gospel. And that's kind of a little bit of a background to get us in to the beginning of this story. So let's read verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, which is just Paul's greeting or introduction to this book. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul says here first, that he establishes his authority in verses 1 and 2. He says, Paul, an apostle. And then he stipulates, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. It seems like reading through the book of Galatians that there were a group of Jewish converts, we call them Judaizers, that were trying to teach the, the church in Galatia that to be a Christian, it wasn't just by faith like Paul had preached, that Paul was preaching wrong ideas, but to really be a Christian, you had to keep all of the Jewish tradition, the Jewish law plus circumcision and those types of things to be saved, and Paul in writing this letter which is a basically a letter of correction because their faith is under fire and Paul is trying to get them back to the real gospel and so he asserts here I am Paul an apostle by God and then he mentions and by the brethren who are with me so he's sending greetings from these brethren, but it also intimates that these men also confirmed his apostleship. So Paul is establishing right up front that he has authority to write these letters to this church to bring some correction. Verse 3 is kind of his greeting, which is typical of Paul. He says, grace which is God's undeserved gift to us, and then peace, which is the byproduct of this grace. Grace is the basis of our salvation, and peace is the result. Romans chapter 5 and 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace, and once we are saved, then we have peace with God. So Paul is telling them grace to you and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the commentaries that I read said grace was a common greeting among the Greeks, and peace was a common greeting among the Jews. And the church in Galatia was made up of Gentile Greek converts and Jewish converts. So that's why he's doing this grace and peace to you. And then verse 4 is kind of the crux of this first section. Because he's going to get on them in a bit. He's going to discipline them in a little while. About leaving the gospel so in verse 4 he says this is what Jesus did for us he gave himself for our sins he delivered us from this present evil age and it was done according to the will of the Father so he gave himself for our sins some people confuse the death of Jesus as just an act love but it was much more than an act of love he was willing to die because he loved us but his death on the cross was just as much a sacrifice accepted in heaven as the sacrifice of sheep and bulls in the temple so we need to understand that he gave himself for our sins he died so that you and I could be forgiven. And Paul is, is emphasizing this to these Galatians. This Jesus who I'm preached to you, this Jesus who you gave your lives to, remember what he did for you. He sacrificed himself. His death was an offering for my sin. And your sin. Even much greater than the offerings of the Old Testament, his offering never had to be repeated. Remember the Old Testament every time you came, you had to make an offering of a blood sacrifice. He delivered us from this present age. He doesn't deliver us from this world. But he protects us in it and he delivers us from the power of sin that is in the world. See, if he was going to deliver us from the world the moment you said, Jesus, save me, then you would have a Star Trek type experience. <laughs> and you would, Scotty would beam you, or the Holy Spirit would beam you up to heaven. Since you're all here, I don't think that happened to anybody. You are all here, right? Some people aren't too sure. Hey, tell your neighbor, you are here. He delivered us from this present age. He has delivered us from the influence of sin. Does that mean I never sin again? No. If I am as close to God as God wants us to be, I can live in this world without sin. But I don't know about you, but I'm human. And in my humanity, from time to time, I fall. From time to time, I do commit sin and I've asked this question probably a hundred times even in this church how many of you have sinned since you met Jesus and everybody raises their hand how many of you have sinned this year this month this week today well I don't know it's you know (laughs) it depends on whether you drove here or not But he has delivered us from this present age, from the influence of sin, if we will allow him. And then it was according to the will of God. It was by plan. It was by design. Our salvation was not plan B. The scripture says before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. Before Adam and Eve were ever created, Christ had already been crucified. Before Satan tempted Eve in the garden and they fell into sin, Christ had already been crucified. God knew what was going to happen and he made a way of escape for us. It was by his will. And then let's read verses 6 through 10. This is the beginning of... The whole thing that Paul's going to be teaching in the book of Galatians verse 6 He says I marvel that you are turning away so soon From him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel Which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for I do now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men for, I still, for if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant or a slave of Christ. Here Paul gets into the, the beginning of what he's going to teach throughout the book of Galatians. And this will be expanded over the next few weeks. And so I just want to go through these few verses verse by verse and just kind of pull out some highlights. Verse 6 is talking about turning away from the gospel. It is clear from Acts chapter 13, 14, and 15 that Paul had a tremendous ministry in the area of Galatia, and he established many churches there. Many new believers were won to Christ, churches were planted, elders were installed, and miracles were displayed. There was revival. And then he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Most of the commentaries I looked in, this was possibly somewhere within 20 years of these churches being established or even less that now Paul has gotten this word that they are turning to another gospel. And I would imagine this accounts for the tone of Paul's writing in Galatians. This is probably one of the harshest um, epistles that Paul wrote. God had called them in his grace, saved them from their sins, and now they're moving back from grace to law. They're moving back to the old things that they had been delivered to. They're abandoning liberty for legalism. And they are doing it quickly without asking Paul for help or consideration. They heard some teaching that tickled their itching ears and they went for it without getting Spiritual advice from their leader. They were infatuated with the religion of the Judaizers. And one of the people that I was reading up on this, he says, it's like we try to teach our children never talk to strangers, but sometimes they will go to the stranger that gives them the candy. And that's kind of what this was. These Judaizers had this something that looked good, something they were familiar with that they were adding to the gospel. Throughout the book of Galatians, grace is the key. It's the basic theme. In verse 1 or chapter 1 verse 3, verse 6, verse 15, chapter 2 verse 9 and 21, chapter 5 4 chapter 6 18 all talk about the grace of god and grace is simply god's favor on undeserving sinners it's been explained this way grace is god giving me what i do not deserve mercy is god not giving me what i do deserve Because of my sinful nature, I deserve death and to be separated from God. But in his mercy, he does not give me that. By his grace, he gives me the righteousness of Christ when I accept him as Savior. So I hope all of you realize that you were saved by grace. Turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and this is the gospel that Paul preached. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. By which also you are saved if you hold fast to that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I be- delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. The first part of the Gospel is Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried, second part of the gospel. And that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. That's the gospel. Jesus dead, buried, and resurrected. And then the next couple of verses, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, prove the resurrection and he was seen of cephas and by the 12 and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present but some have fallen asleep after that he was seen by james and then by all the apostles and then last of all he was seen by me also as one born out of due time so in galatians when it's talking about they are following a different gospel they have somehow turned away from the simplicity of the gospel which is the death the burial and the resurrection of christ christ died he was buried and he rose again that's the gospel we as an international church, we have people from very many different nations, different backgrounds, different church cultures and denominations, but all of us can agree on one thing, the gospel. We're here because of the gospel, and the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 7 of Galatians 1 says it, some of them were perverting the gospel of Jesus. The teaching of some of these people were teaching that the Galatians needed to keep the Jewish law. We'll find that in chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says that they had to keep the circumcision and they had to keep the ceremonies. When someone adds to the work of salvation by grace then beware it's wrong it is not faith plus baptism that saves me we just dedicated this little guy today that's not his salvation we're just dedicating him to where he's got the best chance there is to when he comes of age to accept Jesus as savior what is that age It's different for different people. Our oldest son, I think he was about four or five. Our other kids were somewhere in that age or a little older. It's when they understand that they are sinners and they need Jesus as a Savior. So it is the blood of Jesus, the gospel, plus nothing that saves us. It's not faith in Christ plus church membership. Some of you, I have your signatures on a membership farm for Crossroad International Church. That membership farm will not get you in heaven. Sorry, <laughs> all that membership farm allows you to vote at our annual general congr- or annual congregational meeting. That is not a ticket to heaven. It is not faith in Christ plus giving offerings. You can give millions of KD, and that won't buy your way to heaven. Now, if you want to give it, we'll accept it, that's okay. (laughs) But just realize that won't buy your way to heaven. See, God doesn't need our money, but we need to give. Because we are created in the image of God, and God is a giver. See, salvation is not faith in Christ plus keeping the sacraments. The third Friday of every month, we have communion. Taking communion won't get you to heaven. See, I was baptized because i was saved not to be saved i come to church because i'm saved and i want to worship my heavenly father and i want to meet with my brothers and sisters there are a lot of you in this church that i am much closer to than my biological brother and sister because we are the family of God. I don't have as much in common with them other than I have the same mother and father that I have with you because with you we have the same heavenly father and we fellowship together around the gospel. One of the um, phrases during the Reformation with Martin Luther was "solo." faith what's it mean when someone sings a solo it's not like a friend of mine he says i sing solo nobody can hear me that's not what we're talking about a solo is singing by yourself so this is solo faith faith in christ alone alone your family cannot save you. I grew up in church. I went to church every Sunday. My when my father passed away and we did his funeral we did the funeral in the church he had been a member of for 82 years. Think about that. Member of the same church for 82 years. He'd been a deacon for over 50 years. He took us to church. My dad had this philosophy. You live in my house, you eat my food, you go to church when I tell you to go. Okay? And I can remember I I grew up in a very, um, what I want to say, formal church, and I would come home almost every Sunday when I was little, and I would have bruises from almost my hip To my knee, because if you said anything or moved or twitched, my mom would pinch the side of your leg to get you to behave. But when I got on my own, that did me no good because I got hooked up in the wrong things with drugs and alcohol and all that kind of junk. And then when I was 21, I finally made. That decision to accept Christ so as Dale said the Bible promises that if we raise the kids right when they get older they won't depart that's not a guarantee they won't get stupid and do dumb things how many of you know sometimes as teenagers we get pretty dumb and do some really crazy things and I did but God had his hand on me because I had people praying for me and God brought me back and I accepted Christ as my savior. See, they were trying to not follow the gospel of grace, but they were trying to follow the gospel of the law. Rather than salvation by faith, they were being led into salvation by works. I can work my way to heaven. The more I do for the church, we need volunteers for the church. But please, do not volunteer if you think that's what's going to make you a Christian. Okay? Because we want people that are already saved, already in love with Jesus, volunteering. We need people on the music team, people with the kids' ministry people with the greeters. But we volunteer because we are saved not to be saved. We don't work our way to heaven. They were looking at the gospel of the flesh rather than the gospel of life in the spirit. They were looking at circumcision and the calendar and all of the sacraments rather than the cross of Christ. And then in verse 8 and 9, Paul says, preachers of the false gospel are accursed. And Paul issues this curse or this negative um, blessing, so to speak, on false teachers twice, which that makes this one of the harshest two scriptures in the New Testament and in the writings of Paul, he said, if, if I come to you or an angel from heaven comes down to you and preaches to you a gospel other than what I gave you in the beginning, those people are accursed. Now, we have to be careful that we don't go beyond the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. The Bible school that my wife and I went to, they had a a phrase, and it said, In all things essential for salvation, we must be unified. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ, the gospel, we have to agree on that. That's what keeps us together as the body of Christ. On things not essential for salvation. Do we sing hymns or choruses? Do we have to wear suits or can we come as we want to? You know, all of these things that churches split over, in those things that are not essential to salvation, we must give each other freedom and liberty to interpret scripture maybe a little bit differently but in everything there needs to be love. and then the last thing in verse 10 Paul goes back to this accusations against his authority and it seems like he was being accused of being men pleasers that he would say or do whatever he had to do to please the people that he was preaching to And Paul says, I do not please men, but rather I please God. And he talks back, if he was pleasing men, he wouldn't have written these accusations against the Galatians. It's kind of like Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two gospels. So what does that mean for us today as Crossroad International Church? We have to be careful that we fellowship around the gospel and we don't get so caught up and so tied up in maybe our denominational background that may be a little different than other people in our congregation. Because in this body of believers here, and these people sitting in this room today, we have the whole spectrum of Christianity represented here. But we're able to come together, we're able to be a family, we're able to fellowship, why? Because we base it around the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, it's wonderful to sit down and have debates with one another on some of these other doctrines that don't really make a difference for salvation. But that's not what brings us together, and that should not push us apart. Amen. Because we fellowship around the gospel of Christ. And that's what keeps us together. Let me pray for you. Father, we just come to you right now and we thank you for this time. Father, we ask for your blessings upon your word. Father, I'm excited about going through the book of Galatians to study about faith under fire. Because, Father, these are things that every one of us have to deal with. Father, even I mean, today in the age of the internet, there's so much that we can find that is perverting the gospel. Things that add to it. But Father, help us to be diligent and to guard our hearts against the, the subtleness of the enemy that would try to make us think that we have to add something to. To the gospel to be saved. But Father, I thank you to today that it's simply belief in the work of Christ, that he came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that he's seated on your right hand today, that he's praying for each of us. And Father, help us just to always concentrate on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.